How many of you ever heard of Jonah? <clears throat> you know, Jonah, and what do, we, what, what do we normally think of when we think of Jonah? The whale, although it's, uh, the Bible doesn't really identify it as a whale, <coughs> excuse me, identifies it as a great fish and uh, prepared a great fish. <clears throat> but we think of Jonah and the whale. There was a city in, in uh, ancient Nineveh up in what is Assyria at that time. Uh, there is a city there, the old ruins, where they worshipped fish. They were on the Tigris or Euphrates, one of those rivers going out to the ocean, and they worshipped fish. And it's theorized that their people did shipping and they rode, rode their boats up that river. And uh, so fish was an important emblem. And so amazingly, um, you say, well, how's this going to apply to me? Well, I hope we'll look at, and, and I know probably everybody here has read this story. You know the story of Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the great fish. But I want to just um, maybe draw your attention to a few things about uh, how to pray and how to repent and how to uh, do a lot of those things. Jonah is a good lesson in all of that. And uh, he's also a good lesson in how not to pray and how not to repent and how not to do some things. So um, it, 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 uh, really Jonah, uh, if you were to think of uh, where he's mentioned outside of the book of Jonah, Jonah is a one line prophet that prophesied truth and he made the Bible. It's found in 2 Kings, the 14th chapter and the 25th verse. What's interesting about this is that the Bible says, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord God of Israel which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath-hefer. That's it. If we didn't have the book of Jonah, that would be the whole of Jonah's existence. That at some point, Jonah prophesied correctly that Israel was going to expand their territory. And then it happened. And so what do you kind of think that did for Jonah's status? I mean, if I were to prophesy something and then it comes to pass, everybody goes, wow, he's a real prophet. So he was <coughs> living up in Gath Hefer, which for those of you who study geography, uh, will figure that's up by the Sea of Galilee, and it's in sort of a region called Galilee. And he was the son of Amittai the prophet, 
And so here he was, this young man, and the word of the Lord came to him, and he spoke the word, and it came to pass. Now, if I had no book of Jonah, at that point, you would just simply say he was a man that was used of God. It's interesting, though, for those of you who are Bible scholars already realize that this was a prophet to the northern ten tribes, not he was the king of Israel and the king of Judah. And you remember the kingdoms divided. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was after uh, Saul and David and Solomon. And then, of course, the kingdoms divided. And for those that uh, went to Israel a few years ago, four or five years ago, we went by and we saw where they built a golden calf up in, in Bethel. And we saw the foundation of all of that because when the tribes split, those northern tribes quit going to Jerusalem. The new king said, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship. I'll set up golden calves up here for you to worship and you won't have to go down to that city, Jerusalem, anymore. And so when you study the kings of the northern tribes, many of them were not very um, good, not very godly. Many of them were wicked. Many of them had a lot of issues. And yet, um, most of the time, a prophet from that area uh, would talk about uh, the coming destruction of Israel, the coming uh, correction of Israel because of them leaving the temple, leaving the connection. And so Jonah was a prophet up in that area. His dad was a prophet, so I guess he was a prophet's kid. I guess that's close to preacher's kid. Uh, I don't know. But he was, boom, super successful. Because he said, the word came to him, he spoke it, boom, he got it. And then Jonah records what happened next. That's the only one verse, 2 Kings 14, 25, that we would have about Jonah if Jonah didn't write his own book. And we believe it's true because he paints himself very real. He doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, and that's kind of unusual because most of us have a tendency, humanly, to say, I'm not that bad of a guy. You know, well, at least I'm not as bad. I mean, and, and I, I agree. I, I don't know of anybody in here that went to a grocery store and shot up 10 people or so. And so, man, when you compare us to the him, we're awesome, right? You can always find somebody that you can be like the Pharisee that looked down the nose at the publican, huh? Right. And say, I thank God I'm not that bad. Right. But Jonah wrote about himself and he was very candid about himself. And, uh, and I... We'll just jump in. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, who was a prophet, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. 
And Jonah got up and to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. <clears throat> and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now he's, this map, I don't know if you can see, but it's north of the Dead Sea. It's right near the Sea of Galilee is where uh, Gath, uh, Hef, uh, the area, Hephra, that he lived. And the Lord tells him, basically, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was 750 miles away. That's a long journey, 750 miles. You know, even if you walk 20 miles a day, it's going to take you several months. But he decides he wants to go about the same down to, uh, to Joppa and then wants to take a boat 2,000 miles away. So he is going, and, and the Bible says he went down, he went down into the ship, he went down, and you know, you could easily preach that anytime you leave the presence of the Lord, guess where your life's gonna head? Down. I mean, he's gonna go down to Joppa, down to Tarshish, down into the ship, down, down, down. And I know, we're here on Wednesday, and so you understand that, but he was, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Now, what's amazing is he found a ship. He found a ship that was going to Tarsus. You know, you can't always judge your circumstances as meaning you're in the will of God. Especially if you're violating what the Lord has commanded you to do. You, you understand? Yeah. You know, if the Lord, I think, has said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So it means, you know, you need to go to church. And if all of a sudden you come in and you say, I got a great job and I won't be able to go to church at all. I'm going to go, I don't know that that's a great job. Now, if you're talking about a week or two weeks or six weeks, I get it. But you're not going to ever be able to be in church. Come on. Is it really from God? You, you follow me? And so just because Jonah found a ship, he thinks, okay, uh, this must be the right way to go, I guess. And um, he was avoiding going to Nineveh. Now, Nahum talks about the Assyrians and Nineveh in particular he called it a bloody city. It's full of lies, robberies, prey, departs not. Later on in Nahum, the third chapter, he talks about how that they come and they're going to kill and slaughter and destroy. And, you know, we all are shocked when you see violence and violence in Buffalo violence, wherever it is, individuals being shot that randomly know just acts of anger and violence and, and all these things and the spirits that are un released in, in all of that area. And yet, 
guess what? And I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but as far as I know, there were no machine guns, no Colt 45s, no nine millimeter pistols, millimeter pistols, no 22s. And the Assyrians were still very violent and angry and you understand what I'm saying? And now I'm not, not advocating you go and get a bazooka, but my point is, <coughs> the idea is, you know, the, <laughs> if somebody's gonna be violent, a lot of times they're, they're gonna be violent because the Assyrians were. All they had were spears and swords and they were gruesome. And Jonah um, went down to Joppa, got in a ship, went down into the ship, and actually we're going to see he went to sleep. So it was like he, he had a clear conscience. You can't even judge how, whether you're living for God, if you, you know, you say, well, Lord, if you, you know, don't want me to do something, trouble me. Well, and then if I went to sleep, so I guess the Lord didn't want me to pray or he didn't want me to, well, you can't use circumstances, especially when you know the word of the Lord. Jonah knew the word of the Lord. He had already heard the word of the Lord and prophesied, so he knew when the Lord told him, go to Nineveh. And now you say, well, the Lord's never talked to me like that. Well, get this out. He'll talk to you. He'll show you what you need to do. Well... I don't know that he really wants all of that. I, I kind of think, be careful, don't be like Jonah. Because we're gonna read, why, why did Jonah do all of this? And, and now we know, here it says, the Lord sent a great wind. Now I know that, you know, we talk about it rains on the just and the unjust and things can happen. But Jonah, his vision of it was the Lord sent it. He knew, this is from God. Why? Because I didn't obey him. And the mariners were afraid and they cried every man to his God, little G-O-D, cast forth the waves that were in the ship. They were trying to do everything. They, the wares rather, they lightened the ship so that it wouldn't sink and Jonah was asleep. And the shipmaster came to him and said, what are you doing, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Now did Jonah pray? We have no record that he prayed. Boat is slamming around, wind, waves, the shipmaster comes to him and says, why don't you pray? All of us are praying, you pray to your God. Jonah, there's no record that Jonah prayed. So the, soldier, the, the mariners got together and they started casting lots. They wanna go, who is responsible for this tempest, the storm? Why are we in such a tumultuous, storm and the water on the Mediterranean Sea. Now, for those of you who know geography, know that there is a, a big continent called Africa, and they were in Northern Africa, north above there, and they were somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea, and Tarshish was all the way 
out like to Spain, out to where would be present day Spain. And so he was going that way. Nineveh was over here. Now, the point of it all is they cast lots, the lot falls on Jonah, and they ask him, they say, tell us, we pray thee, whose cause is this evil is upon us? And then they said, what is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? What people are thou? Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Not enough to obey him, but I fear him. You know, some people can say, well, I believe, I'm a, I'm a believer, I believe in the Lord, but are you willing to obey the Lord? Here was a man who prophesied for the Lord and yet wouldn't obey him. So, you know, when somebody tells me, well, yes, I believe in the Lord, but I'm not going to obey him. I don't think I have to do. I ask him, have you ever read Jonah? He said, I believe in the God of heaven. I believe he made the sea and the dry land. I believe he's the creator. And you know what happened when the men heard this? They got afraid. And they said, why did you do this? Because he told them, I fled from the presence of the Lord. The Lord asked me to go another direction and I refused to go. And so they're asking him, why? Why would you do this? Why would you put our lives in, in jeopardy? And... <clears throat> Then they said to him, they said, what shall we do unto you that the sea would calm down? For the sea is wrought and tempestuous, tempestuous. And he said unto them, take me up, cast me forth in the sea, so it'll be calm for I know that my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men What? I'm trying to see if I can find that for you all. Here it is. There it is. My bad. Nevertheless, take me up. Nevertheless, the men, when he said, throw me overboard, what did they do? They rode harder. Isn't that amazing? They were trying to save his hide. They didn't want to throw him over. The lots fell on him. They did, you know, everything. They, I don't know what they had. Dice, bones. I don't know what they had that they fell. Everybody draw the shortest straw. I don't know. But at some point it said, you're the guilty guy. And so they asked him, who are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? What's your occupation? And he tells them, I guess I'm a prophet. I'm running from God. Throw me overboard. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. It was like, we don't... 
We don't want you to die. We're, we're on your side. And he, they just met him. But the more they rode, all of a sudden, the ship starts breaking apart. And they cried unto the Lord. Now, it uses the Lord as in they started praying to Jonah's God. They had their own gods before and they were praying to them and that didn't do anything. So now they became believers. And they say, we beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. We don't want to throw him overboard. Lord, you've done what it pleased you. So finally, they just picked him up, threw him into the sea. And when they did, the sea ceased from her raging. And what happened to the guys? They became believers. They feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I don't know where those men ended up, but they became believers. They saw what God did immediately calming the wind and the waves. Now the next part, the next verse, the 17th verse says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Still, no record of Jonah praying. You would have thought when he hit the water, Amen. he would have said, oh God, help me. I'm sorry. No record. Second chapter, and this is, Jonah has to be the one writing this, telling the story. After three days and three nights, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell. I cried I, and the heard us my voice. Then here's what he says. For thou, meaning the Lord, hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the sea. The floods have compassed about me. All thy billows, thy waves were passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. I will look again toward thy holy temple. Now it sounds like Jonah was blaming God. God, it's all your fault. <laughs> but I, I don't believe he was blaming God at this point. I believe he was recognizing that this punishment came from God. That in fact, he knew that what was going wrong in his life was the result of his disobedience and that he was under God's judgment. No one likes to admit that I helped get myself into this. Huh? I'd rather 
have a wonderful reason. You know, my mother dropped me on my head when I was three. Something happened. I was born into a family. I had this problem. I have that problem. I was raised around mountain men. They're all nuts. I'm nuts. We all have a tendency to want to pass the buck. And we're now living in America, and it's wonderful. It's never, never our fault. <laughs> but if you're going to repent, you've got to own your disobedience. Jonah was inside this fish, and yet somehow he recognized that inside this fish was a place of deliverance and repentance. <clears throat> In the water, I guess he thought he was going to die. He didn't repent. He didn't say sorry. He didn't ask God for anything. When he got inside the fish, he thought, well, maybe I'm going to live. Kind of an amazing, <clears throat> because when Jonah starts talking, he got, continues on and he says, the waters come past me about, even to my soul, the depth closed in me, the weeds, the seaweed got around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet you brought my, my life from corruption, O Lord my God. So I guess Jonah was just resigned that I'm gonna die, I'm, I'm gonna die. And then all of a sudden the fish gobbled him up and somewhere inside the belly of the fish, he goes, maybe I'm gonna live. So he starts praying. And he, he said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into, in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Now, why is all that very important? Because even though the northern ten tribes had gone away, even though the northern ten tribes were backsliders, if you want to call them that, they had already set up idols, they were worshiping idols. During this moment, he knew where God really was in the temple. Now you say, well, why is that so important? Well, stay with me. We'll, we'll, we'll go. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. It's a powerful statement Jonah makes. What are lying vanities? It's not so bad. It's not as bad as something else. You can lie to yourself and paint yourself in any way you want. But it, if you paint yourself as not needing God, you are forsaking your own mercy. You know, you can say, well, I go to church three times a week. I don't need prayer. I don't need... If you really understand who you are, you know you need it probably 
as much or more than anybody else. He said, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish and had vomited Jonah out on dry land. Now, the reason I gave you that little diagram of Israel here on this end of the Mediterranean and all of this being Africa, that fish in three days swam from here all the way around Cape Horn of Africa, all the way up in through the Straits, all the way up into the Tigris River. It was a bionic fish because there was no Suez Canal, so he couldn't swim down the canal. So boom, the fish vomits him up. And what was it that Jonah had done? And, and this, is, this is where it applies to you and me. This is where it, it registers with me that it, no matter what you have done, no matter what situation you've gotten yourself into, no matter how you've disobeyed, no matter how you've done wrong, if you will humble yourself and pray and grab hold of a promise, and then begin to praise God's able to get you out. He is life. Salvation is of the Lord. And Jonah fully believed, here I am in the belly of a whale, Lord, you are able to get me out of this. If he would have humbled himself on the boat, he may not have had to go into the water. If he had humbled himself when he hit the water, he may not have had to have a fish. But he refused to humble himself and pray and then get a hold of a promise. What was the promise? What promise did Jonah get a hold of? The promise about if someone prays toward your holy temple. Because back in 1 Kings, you know, Jonah was in 2 Kings, but in 1 Kings, when Solomon prayed, remember at the dedication of the temple, he basically said, Lord, if anybody prays, you know, and cries out in prayer I, and toward this place, I want you to hear from heaven and your name is there and I want you to know if they pray toward this, I want you to hear and forgive. So what Jonah was doing was a prayer of repentance when it says he was praying toward the temple. That's why when you talk about Daniel praying three times a day when he was still and he opened his door to the east, what are they doing? That there was a promise that if you will pray toward this temple, and the Jews believe that today. That's why if you go to where the site where the temple was, they call it the wailing. And you see them and they're rocking back and forth because they're believing if you will pray in this direction, God will hear. You say, well, we don't have a wailing wall. No, we have a crucified Savior. If you will say in Jesus' name, Lord, I need your spirit. I need your presence. 
It's, I need you, Lord. I need you to touch me. I need you to wash me. I need you to help me through this. So Jonah was hanging on to that promise. And then he began to praise. He said, I'm going to pay my vows. He began to thank God. Salvation is of the Lord. He began to worship God. And I wish we could stop right there, but it, he writes more. And the word of the Lord came unto him the second time and said, go to Nineveh and preach unto it the preaching that I bid you. So Jonah got up this time. He does go to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a big city. It took three days to walk across Nineveh. So Nineveh was not Newark. I mean, I don't want to do it, but I, I don't think it would take me three days to walk all the way across Newark. Nineveh was a huge city. And so Jonah, okay, I'm going to obey. And he enters the city, walks about all day inside the city, and then he just starts preaching. And basically he says, hear ye Ninevites, we're going to destroy you in 40 days. Lord's going to wipe you out. And of course, in the New Testament, Jesus reminded the Pharisees and the Sadducees that this is an evil generation. They seek a sign. And he said, no sign shall be given but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites. So also shall the Son of Man be a sign unto this generation. So, you know, the fact is that if somebody won't listen when you talk about the Lord, I don't know what will turn them. But here was a guy, I don't know if the acid in the fish had bleached him white, if he looked like an albino. I don't know if he smelled like a fish food. I don't know. If you've ever had fish, fish food doesn't smell good. But what happened to the Ninevites? We all know this Wednesday night. What did they do? They believed God, proclaimed a fast sackcloth, ashes. The king even said, nobody eat or drink. Don't feed your cows. Don't feed your horses. Don't feed your donkeys. Don't feed anything. Fast and pray. Ask God to forgive us. Put sackcloth everywhere. Everybody turn from your evil way, from your violence. And who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil. What does that mean? He turned from the evil that he said he would do unto them and he did it not. Now what's horrible is Jonah knew what kind of people they were. 
What we're going to see in Bible history is 40 years later, one generation later, they're going to go right back to their violence and right back to their bloodthirsty attributes. And they are going to, at this point now, come and destroy Israel. And they're going to leave bodies everywhere. And so, was this a permanent fix? For the Ninevites? No. I wish it was. I wish... I probably shouldn't be this transparent, but I, I've oftentimes wished, Lord, you know, it'd be better if you came right in the middle of service when everybody's talking in tongues. Huh? Because you give them too long out of the presence of the Lord, <laughs> they'll find some way to revert back. Anyway, me too. I'm not just throwing, pointing at you, pointing at me. Oh Lord, come in the middle of church. But he goes on the fourth chapter, fourth chapter of Jonah. And it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Now he's confessing. Lord, didn't I tell you this? I knew you were going to do this. I just knew it, Lord. I knew if I came and I preached, they would repent and you would forgive them. And I knew that was going to happen. And as far as I'm concerned, they don't need to repent. Just kill them. I knew, that's why I went to Tarshish, for I knew thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Now, you know what he says? Now take my life from me. I, it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord simply said, are you doing good by being angry? Anytime you get yourself in a position to explain why you disobeyed, you're on the wrong foot now. I, I don't, now this, let me tell you why I disobeyed, Lord. Well, you, you've got to understand, there were two people that they asked me and this is what happened and if they wouldn't have come and if I wouldn't have been, forget it. Don't go there. I mean, you know, if I use my wife as an example, I'll throw her under the bus. I said, well, now, honey, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but now let me tell you what you did that made me want to yell at you. You know what she's going to say? Well, you're not very sorry. You're putting all the blame back on me. Huh? I wouldn't have done this if you wouldn't have I knew what you were going to do. I knew what you would say. Oh no. I, I knew better than to tell you because I knew exactly what you were going to do. Jonah fell into that. Isn't that crazy? Jonah said, Lord, and he tries it with God. That's what's amazing. I mean, we try it with each other. 
You know, well, if you wouldn't have done that, well, I wouldn't have done this. And if you, look, you did wrong, just own it. When you start telling me why you sinned, you're probably going to need another lesson. Because the Lord sent Jonah another one. Jonah, who's gone through a belly of a whale, who's gone and been thrown overboard, ends up on the city of Nineveh. You would think he would say, oh my Lord, you are so kind to me. You've been so good to me. You've been so merciful to me, Lord. I could have never gotten out of that whale's belly or fish belly. You would have thought he would have been able to praise God for a week anyway. He's only been out of the belly of a whale for three or four days. And he's already justifying it. And, you know, Paul in the New Testament said there's none that are righteous, none that seek God, none that seek after God. I want to tell you, that's true. There's none that just automatically seek after God. If you feel the, the power of God drawing you and trying to deal with you and convict you and telling you what you need to do, you need to be thankful that God cares enough about you to do that. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is, it just doesn't happen. You know, you go on with your life, you're just not going to run into the buzzsaw of God that says, okay, it's time for you to repent. But, in fact, Jesus said in John, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? I mean, Jonah should have been ecstatic. I, I don't know how big, how many people were living in Nineveh. I don't have a census. If it took three days to walk across it, Later on, I know that there's some 60,000 children there in the city. But however big it was, I don't, I, and we've had a lot of powerful evangelists, starting at Simon Peter to Paul to Billy Cole to go through the list. I don't know that any have ever had the privilege of preaching and seeing an entire city and their donkeys and their horses and their mules and their dogs and their cats pray through. <laughs> and yet Jonah has just had an unbelievable revival and he's sitting outside waiting for God to wipe them out. And Jonah, you know, Joshua talked about how Abraham served other gods. Jonah should have been thanking the Lord. Lord, I am so thankful that you called me out of darkness. I'm glad I was a Hebrew. I'm glad my father Abraham was called up. I'm glad I know the Lord, the one true God. In fact, Paul wrote in Romans, what shall we conclude then or say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Certainly not. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion or pity on whom I have compassion. So then God's gift is not a question of human will and human effort, but of God's mercy. If you are here and if you know that I need to repent, that I need to pray through, and you feel the convicting power of God, that is the mercy of God. Don't ever feel like, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Listen, if you feel anything tugging at your heartstrings, you need to say, thank God you haven't left me alone to my devices. It does not depend on one's own willingness nor on his own strenuous exertion as in running a race, but it's on God having mercy on him. Another author said it's the goodness of God that leads men to what? Repentance. So going back to Jonah, and I'm about through. I know it's time is swiftly passing. Jonah left the city, went on the east side, made him a booth, sat under it so that he could see what's going to happen. I can't wait to see them burn with hellfire and brimstone. And the Lord prepared a gourd. And it came up over Jonah. And it was a beautiful little shade. And Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. And then God prepared a worm. And when the morning rose the next day, it smote the gourd so it withered and came to pass. When the sun rose, that God prepared a vehement east wind. The wind just blew and ripped through there. And the sun beat on Jonah. And he fainted and wished himself to die. Again, it's better for me to die than to live. And God asked him again the second time, are you doing good to be angry for the gourd? And Jonah had the audacity to say to God, yes, yes, <coughs> I, I should be angry, even mad enough to die because of this little gourd. And the Lord said to Jonah, you have pity on the gourd from which you didn't labor, neither made it grow, came up in one night and it perished in a night. Why should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where there are more than six score? A score is 10,000, 20,000. So if he was <clears throat> six scores, 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right and their left hand, what does that mean? They were too young to know this is my right hand, this is my left hand. So he said there's anywhere from, if you want to say it's 10,000, 60,000, if you want to believe it's 20,000, 60 to 120,000 people that don't know their left hand from their right. So how many parents, how many grandparents, how many aunts, uncles? This was a huge city. And the Lord let them repent. And then he said, even all their cattle. And the Lord let them repent. And it made Jonah mad. Now, what are you saying? I... Why? Because I, I don't know. Jonah felt like he was born the son of a prophet. He felt like he didn't need any more of God. He, was, he prophesied. He didn't need to obey God. He, didn't, he could do what he wanted to do. I don't know what was in Jonah's mind. 
We only have one verse. And yet, Jesus said like Jonah was in the belly of a whale for th- or belly of a fish for three days, <clears throat> so shall the Son of Man be in the earth for three days. <clears throat> the key to all of this is the lesson that I guess for me, and when you look at Jonah, it's a familiar story, and most of you all already knew all of these points, is the fact that when you pray, you got to be real and really repent. Don't give any reasons why. Well, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you why. Let me find out the reason. And I understand we have a world that is always looking for an excuse. And are there real issues? Sure. Are there real problems? Sure. And I I don't know what possessed this young man to feel like he needed to take somebody else's life. I don't know, you know, what would do that. And yet, murder is in all of us, folks. You can say, well, it's not in me. I would never do it. Well, only way you're not going to do it is keep repenting. Keep staying full of the Holy Ghost. Keep praying through. Grab hold of a promise. Grab hold of a praise. Why are we doing when we're praying promises? We're praying. What are you doing praying? When you pray, you are the very act itself is an act of faith. Because if you don't think you need to pray, that's when you really need to pray the most. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't really pray every day. I, I, you know, I pray over my food. I pray over, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer. Every day I need to realign myself to the Word of God. What do you want me to do, Lord? What have you got for me today, Lord? Why? Because it's easy to fall into a trap just like Jonah. Jonah, who was the son of a prophet and who was a prophet, looked on the outward and said, I don't like any of those people. They are all bad. I am not going to Nineveh. And throughout everything, it wasn't until he got swallowed that he decided it's time for me to pray. But he had a promise. If I pray toward the temple, I don't know how he figured out which way the fish was swimming. But he, in his heart, said, I'm looking toward the temple. Even though I'm living in the northern tribes, I'm looking there saying, Lord, touch me, bless me. Let's stand. Good to have all of you here. Touch us. There is time.